I'm Paul from Thirst Counselling and welcome to a Thirst Counsellor podcast, a series of blogs, readings and audio meanderings through the world of mental health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of a Thirst Counsellor podcast. Um, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about worry and anxiety. Um, as a counsellor, this is often uh, a cause for concern that clients come to see me with. People who are struggling with anxiety, whether it be social anxiety or, or whether it be uh, anxiety related to uh, relationships or related to uh, tests and uh, examinations or interviews. So I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Uh, part of that will be talking about some of my little experiences about it and also looking about how anxiety works and how it can kind of be very limiting for certain people. Uh, and another thing that I wanted to do is maybe just give like a, a couple of little hints and tips about what people can do to reduce anxiety. So it's going to be a very generalised approach to anxiety. I'm not going to be talking clinically about anxiety disorder because that is not my specialist area. What I'm going to be talking about is general feeling of anxiety that people experience on a daily basis. And I'm going to be looking at it in a more of a, of a normalised way uh, and talking about it from the perspective that most people experience anxiety or feelings of worry and feelings of anxiety at most points in their life. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, and with that, we'll carry on now with our first section looking at a, a definition of anxiety. The online dictionary defines anxiety as a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease about something with an uncertain outcome. On the NHS website, it talks about a number of different forms of, of anxiety. Um, it talks about generalised anxiety disorder. Um, generalised anxiety disorder yeah, is also known as GAD. And GAD is a long-term condition that causes you to feel anxious about a wide range of situations and issues rather than one specific event. People with GAD feel anxious most days and often struggle to remember the last time they felt relaxed. General anxiety disorder uh, has been researched quite a lot and it, it isn't fully understood, although it's likely uh, that a combination of several factors play a role. Um, overactivity in areas of the brain involved in emotions and behaviour. An imbalance of the brain's chemicals, serotonin and noradrenaline, which are involved in the control and regulation of mood. It could be related to the genes you inherit from your parents. You're estimated to be five times more likely to develop GAD if you have a close relative with the condition. Having a history of stressful or traumatic experiences such as domestic violence, child abuse or bullying. Having a painful long-term health condition such as arthritis and having a history of drug or alcohol misuse. But many people develop GAD for no apparent reason. 
There are lots of different ways of reducing stress. Sometimes it's about breathing techniques, and we'll talk about that. But other times it's about finding a place where you can find your stillness. Right now I'm out by a pond, watching the orange tip of a goose quill float that I made myself. I have the day to myself. I have traffic in the background. I have birds singing to my left. I have chickens wandering around looking for a few maggots or a few little bits of bait to snaffle. And any kind of stress or anxiety that I've felt building up over the weekend um, is dissipating. Because I can be still here. I can return my focus to the floats and the rest of stress and anxiety drifts away. So it's important that you find your your space, your place where you can allow the stress to drift away, if only just for a while, just to give yourself a break from it. Anxiety can be really quite overwhelming, as can stress. It can cause constant thinking and overthinking. That sick feeling in the stomach and the palpitations in the heart. So finding somewhere where you can be calm, where you can slowly start to switch off from the world, uh, is an invaluable gift that you can give yourself. So what is anxiety? Um, looking at the Anxiety UK website tells us that anxiety is a normal if unpleasant part of life and it can affect us all in different ways and at different times. Whereas stress is something that will come and go as the external factor causing it, be it work, relationships or money problems etc, comes and goes, anxiety is something that can persist whether or not the cause is clear to the sufferer. Anxiety can make a person imagine that things in their life are worse than they really are and prevent them from confronting their fears. Often they will think they are going mad or that some psychological imbalance is at the heart of their woes. What is important is the recognition that anxiety is normal and exists due to a set of bodily functions that have existed in this from our caveman days. Back then we were equipped with an internal alarm system designed to protect us from the dangers surrounding us in the wild. This system would make us hyper alert by giving us a boost of adrenaline that would increase the heart rate and boost the amount of oxygen going to our limbs so we were better able to fight and run away from danger. This is known as the fight or flight response. The butterflies in the stomach that feeling that many associate with anxiety is the mechanism kicking in but instead of being used to avoid immediate danger it is often wrongly and inappropriately activated in a person during normal everyday situations when stress is built up often unknowingly 
Some people have a very identifiable cause for their anxiety. It might be a traumatic incident. Lots of stresses or have undergone a significant life event, such as moving house, getting divorced, having surgery. However, some people don't have an identifiable cause for their anxiety and it causes them some distress. One way of thinking about your anxiety is to imagine your stress levels as being like a bucket of water. If we keep adding stresses to the bucket, even tiny ones like the school run or commuting to work, over time it fills up until one day it overflows. This can be a good way of looking at anxiety as it explains why sometimes it can seem to come out of the blue with no significant trigger. However, what has happened is that the trigger was just very small stresses that tipped us over the edge and allowed our bucket to overflow. What we need is a leaky bucket with lots of holes in to reduce your overall stress levels. Each one of these holes could be something positive that you do to manage your anxiety, such as yoga, exercise, reading, listening to music or spending time with friends and family. This is one of the reasons why we talk a lot about the five ways to well-being. Uh, in previous podcasts, I've, I've talked about the five ways to well-being, about connecting, about talking to other people, about being active, doing a little something, whether it be about taking your dog for a walk, going to the gym, going swimming, or taking notice, just remembering the simple things that give you joy. Uh, for me, I've mentioned before, it's about fishing, or it's about a sunrise or a sunset, and, and it's about finding those little things in your life that are, that are important for you. It's also about keep learning and that it's important that we keep learning, um, doing something to distract ourselves, uh, doing something to kind of, you know, to take our mind off, off the current worry or the current fear or anxiety. And, and also uh, that the fifth the fifth way to well-being is about giving your time and that doing some voluntary work. Uh, by incorporating these little things into our life uh, in a very, very simple way, we're creating these little holes in the bucket so that when stresses do come along, we have enough built up in our sort of uh, our well-being bank to kind of draw from instead of running constantly on a, on a source of adrenaline and stress, uh, which can lead us feeling very tired, very run down and very anxious. Winston Churchill once said, When I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life most of which had never happened. Anxiety can be caused by lots of different thoughts and overwhelming feelings. We can feel pressured to meet a, a deadline or we can find ourselves in a situation that feels quite new and quite raw for us. Perhaps we're going on a first date or we're going into a social situation. Perhaps we're going for a job interview or going to sit down and take a test. Not that long ago, I had to sit a computer test. It was multiple choice. Um, it was to do with counselling, actually. It was a, a subject that I'm very comfortable with and I'm very confident in. 
However, this was going to be um, under test conditions. I had to go to a, a location. I had to drive to it. Um, and when I signed in, we were then directed to go into a room where there was 20 tables with laptops on. And we sat down at the table. We weren't allowed to start until I set time. But the feelings uh, of anxiety and worry that I experienced uh, really took me right back to childhood, to when I was, to when I was in school. Um, and I'd put a lot of pressure on myself beforehand. I'd built it up into something really quite great. And I remember my my head being full of racing thoughts. My my hands were quite uh, quite clammy, uh, and my heart. As I walked into the room and, that, and I saw how it was all set out and that my heart started to do the beating. Um, it was incredibly overwhelming. Um, however, because of my knowledge and because of my training and, and, and work that I've done over the years, I'm very much aware that those feelings are really quite normal. Um, it's a new situation. Uh, there's pressure that we put on ourselves. There's an expectation from other people that we have to act in a certain way. And it's overwhelming in in the fact that I am judging myself, thinking if I don't do this, then it's going to mean this, this and this. And I had to really check my thinking. My negative thinking was if I don't pass this, if someone marks this and I fail, then it's going to mean X, Y and Z. The reality was that that wasn't the case. This wasn't a life or death situation. This was just a test. This was a test about something that I knew, something that I felt confidence in, something that I have a lot of knowledge in. Um, and there weren't right or wrong answers. The way it was being graded, which was explained to me, uh, was, um, was, was okay and within the realms of my knowledge. And yet still I had this experience. Um, I realise now on, on reflection, because I hadn't been really quite prepared for it, to be so overwhelmed and to be so reminded of my, my childhood experience. Um, what, I, what I could have done was I, what I, I could have done some work on, on relaxing myself and, and ensuring that I was feeling relaxed. If I could have worked on my breathing and slowed down my, my sort of racing heartbeat, uh, that would have reduced these feelings of anxiety. I went in and I took the test and I came out afterwards and I, and I felt that great sense of relief and I was able to reflect after uh, and look at what I could have done differently uh, I could have practiced some breathing techniques I could have um, gone for a, for a long walk uh, you know I could have uh, sat myself in a quiet room uh, and just practiced some simple relaxation techniques anxiety can be really quite overwhelming um, and yet it can happen in so many different parts of our life and so many different parts of our day. Um, it's about being aware of ourselves and being aware of our triggers, the things that trigger us. For me, tests and those kind of test conditions uh, and the pressure that that reminds me uh, of is, is of when I was a child and when there was an expectation uh, from schools that I had to act and behave in a certain way, which was... Um, really quite contrary to how I, how I work and how I process things. 
Although anxiety can be devastating and crippling for some people, I think these days uh, the term is, is used an awful lot uh, and it's attributed to any feeling of uncertainty. Well, they're an anxious person. or oh, well, uh, I, I struggle with anxiety. And I think sometimes when we give something a label, this can kind of uh, cause people uh, to become more engrossed within the label than actually deal with what it is that's going on for them. Sometimes we need to try and think about differentiating something that is anxiety, which can lead to anxiety disorder, which is a diagnosable condition, usually diagnosed by a specialist, and something that is worry. Because we all experience worry when we think about mental health being on a continuum. And if you think about anxiety being on a continuum, everyone experiences mental health at some point in their life. And everyone experiences a level of anxiety at some point in their life. But I think when we use language like worry, we can maybe minimise the, the overwhelming fear that can come alongside words such as anxiety. Worry is something uh, that seems a little bit more controllable, uh, seems a little bit more manageable. Uh, I have worries about things. You know, I worry about my daughter sometimes. I don't have anxiety about it. I worry that she might not make friends. I worry that uh, she's going to struggle in school. When I give a presentation, I experience a, a sense of worry. You know, I worry that I'm going to forget what I'm going to say. Uh, or if I'm going for an interview, I worry uh, that they're going to ask me a question I'm not going to know the answer to. And this can bring with it the same kind of physical sensations that I've experienced when, when I've had real senses of anxiety. You know, that, that kind of quickening of the breathing, uh, the heartbeat increases, the hands get clammy, I feel a little bit jittery, my brain gets a little bit fogged over or it starts to, uh, starts to overthink and starts to race. So it's important to try and remember to to think about the language that we use and to try and, and not put as much emphasis on, on terms like anxiety. Everyone experiences worry and it's okay to worry, it's quite normal. It's part of our instinct. If we feel threatened, if we feel concerned, it's part of our fight or flight response. It links in with our fear emotion. And our fear emotion is trying to protect us, it's trying to keep us safe. And so rather than run away from it or, or, or avoid it, we need to try uh, and embrace it and find out what it is that's triggering off these feelings uh, and whether or not we're being rational or whether we're being irrational with it. Quite often, anxieties and worries are around things that haven't actually happened. Um, they're future-based. They're based on things that are going to happen. They might be based on personal experience, things that have happened previously. However, we spend a lot of our time when we struggle with feelings of anxiety and feelings of worry, thinking about next time when this happens, or tomorrow, I've got an interview tomorrow, so I'm worrying about it now. And sometimes these things can be far in the future, and we can spend so much time rooted in something that hasn't actually happened yet, and we can build it up into something 
uh, that may never happen. We can spend so much time uh, thinking about an event where we maybe have to give a speech or we need to give a presentation or we need to talk about something particular. And we can start to do other people's thinking for them. Well, they're going to think that I'm rubbish. They're going to think that I'm uh, that I'm unintelligent. They're going to think that I'm stupid. They're going to think that I'm silly. They're going to laugh at me. They're not going to like the way that I look. And this negative thinking, which is quite normal and quite natural, and that becomes like a, a snowball. It starts to gather momentum. It starts to get bigger and bigger. And then the feelings and emotions become so confused and complex and complicated that actually the reality is is the energy that we're expelling now on this thing that hasn't happened yet may go completely different so it's important to kind of stay in the here and now to to remember that because an event has happened one way or another that is something we can learn from and we don't have to spend our energy giving in to this negative thinking we can challenge this thinking if our thoughts is saying when i was rubbish last time and that i'm going to be rubbish next time well what was it that was rubbish last time and first of all really look at that was i actually rubbish last time maybe go and get some feedback what did people think can people give me some hints and some tips uh, and it's the same when we think about uh, anxiety and worry around tests and that well where did i go wrong last time uh, when we think of young people having exam stress and exam anxiety, that's the whole point of them doing mock tests and mock exams. It's so that it gives them a frame of reference. Well, I did really poor on that test. Okay, what was it that I was really unsure about? Where were my weak areas? These are the areas that I need to strengthen up on. Which were my strong areas of resilience? Or, well, I was really good in that area, so I know that I'm not completely useless. I know that I need to put some more effort in this way. So by actually challenging our thinking and not projecting into the future, into something that hasn't actually happened, we can actually be saving ourselves an awful lot of pain and an awful lot of discomfort. Marcus Aurelius said, Never let the future disturb you. You will meet it if you have to with the same weapons of reason which today arm you against the present. Whilst looking for books or characters in TV or film that portray worry and anxiety, um, I struggled a little bit because there was a lot of crossovers with other um, conditions and difficulties that people experience. But then I came across A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh books. Um, and it's long been hailed as um, the characters in the books suffering from a number of difficult difficulties, such as um, Eeyore having depression and Tigger having ADHD and I guess when thinking about uh, feelings around anxiety and worry um, Piglet would be the person that would come to mind. Now the character of Piglet is a very small frightened little creature. Uh, Piglet is always worried about things, always overthinking things. Um, 
is scared of new experiences. Um, he feels he needs to uh, rely on Eeyore and on Winnie the Pooh and the other characters of the Hundred Acre Wood and that to kind of give him his sense of self. He's always second guessing himself and he's always trying to seek approval. Uh, Piglet is always frightened by any kind of a new adventure that Pooh is, is going on. Um, he's uh, would probably be characterised as having a generalised anxiety disorder. Uh, and I was, you know, scouring the net for information. Um, and it talks. There's a, a a link that I'll put into the uh, into the show notes that talks about the background information, the description of of uh, Piglet's issue. And it mentions that Piglet is a very timid Piglet. He shows characteristics of anxiety and he stutters. He thinks about any situation can go wrong and he argues with himself about what he should do. If a situation does go wrong, for example, while trying to catch a heffalump, Piglet thinks to himself how he can fake a headache so he will not have to face one of these creatures in case it is fierce. Then he thinks to himself that if he fakes a headache, he will be stuck in bed all morning so he does not know what to do. And these are the types of scenarios that make him anxious. He has thoughts that he creates that jump from one bad scenario to another. Piglet also shakes and blushes, his ears twitch when he's scared or nervous, which is often, and he's usually very flustered. And it's symptoms like this which we can see being presented in people with anxiety. So I guess what I'm saying is for a, for a good uh, little insight and, a, and pure entertainment, uh, as Winnie the Pooh books are some of the most beautiful books ever written, have a look at A. Milne's classic books of Winnie the Pooh uh, and read a little bit about Piglet and, uh, and hopefully that will give you a sense of what anxiety can be experienced like uh, and how in some occasions Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore and Tigger do help Piglet in helping him to overcome his, his feelings of anxiety. Your mind will answer most questions if you learn to relax and wait for the answer. By author William S. Burroughs. A man who struggled with a number of issues, anxiety, drug-induced psychosis and writer's block. So in order to reduce the bodily experiences of anxiety of a quickening heartbeat uh, and increased breathing it's important to try and find a way of regulating that breathing so a very simple breathing technique is sometimes known as square breathing or box breathing if you're in a room or wherever you are where you're maybe experiencing these heightened feelings these uh, heightened bodily symptoms Find a square, whether it be a door, a window, a tile on a wall. And starting at the bottom left-hand corner, breathe in for four seconds. Then hold your breath 
for four seconds. Then breathe down for four seconds. And hold your breath for four seconds. Then breathe in for four seconds. Hold your breath for four seconds. Breathe down for four seconds. Hold your breath for four seconds. So by visually tracing the shape of the square, counting in four seconds to breathe in, four seconds, and hold your breath for four seconds, and to breathe out for four seconds, and to hold your breath for four seconds. By doing that, you're training your body to regulate your pattern of breathing. If you can regulate your pattern of breathing, then you cannot be in a state of fight or flight. A simple little technique for children would be to get their hand and get them to hold their hand out with their fingers spread and then using the index finger of your other hand to trace up the thumb, breathing in, down the thumb, breathing out, then up the finger, breathing in, and down the finger, breathing out, then up the next finger, breathing in, and down the next finger, breathing out, so on and so forth. There's a visual, kinesthetic way of tracing your fingers to regulate your breathing. So again, in relation to anxiety, I'm reminded of the blog that I wrote uh, last year, which I talked about in an earlier podcast, Overthinkers Anonymous. So I'd just like to remind people of that. Um, Overthinkers Anonymous, the 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over our overthinking and it made our lives overly complicated. Step two, we came to believe that a higher power could reduce our overthinking and simplifying our thought processes could restore us to sanity. Step three, we made a decision to turn our thoughts and our overthinking over to the care of rationality as we understand it. Step four, we made a list of all thoughts that caused us harm. Step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being all the thoughts we harboured in each day. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these thoughts. Step seven, we humbly asked him to remove further thoughts. Step eight, made a list of all overthinking we did and became willing to think about them less. Step nine, did less overthinking wherever possible, except when to do so would involve making a decision that affected us or others. Step 10, continue to try and think more rationally and when we overthought, promptly admitted it. Step 11, we sought through prayer and meditation to reduce our overthinking, praying only for simple choices and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a cognitive awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to overthinkers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Step 13, we then went back to step one and began to read it again. So many times in the counselling room I've heard clients say or ask, am I overthinking this? And quite often the answer is yes. Overthinking is strongly related to anxiety and feelings of anxiety. 
Therefore, rational approaches to problem solving are bypassed as anxiety and its related emotions are located in the primal part of the brain, the amygdala. Overthinkers struggle to accept basic instructions and follow them without first dissecting them and all the possible variables. This can become quite crippling for people. The simplest act resulting in two choices becoming an overwhelming act of analysis and frustration. Rooted in uncertainty, overthinking has become more of a problem as more and more variables have been introduced in people's lives. In the times of the caveman, our instinct was to survive. We go out to the cave to get food or we starve. Once out of the cave, we see a saber-toothed tiger, our fear and anxiety then presented us with fight, flight or freeze. It enabled us to stay safe in times of threat and danger. Our options then were limited. However, now we are bombarded with so much information and an endless stream of possibilities that the options and variables are vast. For the overthinker, the task of examining these variables stops them from making a decision or a decision is made but the resulting fear and anxiety that it might be the wrong decision continues to plague the overthinker. Often overthinking is dismissed, sometimes joked about. It can be difficult for the person who, when planning the family holiday, is so overwrought and tense at the endless variables presented, is unable to fully enjoy any holiday. It's not trusting any decision that you make because you might get it wrong. It's dwelling on choices that you have made previously and worrying and wondering how things might have been different if... It is not cute or silly or pointless. For some people it is very real and can be excruciatingly exhausting, both mentally and physically. Telling someone to stop overthinking is like me telling the reader to not think of an ice cream. Maybe you weren't thinking of one before, but you are now, aren't you? The overthinker is also thinking of whether it should be one scoop or two. Should it be chocolate or vanilla? Double chip or chocolate chip or, or all three? In a tub or in a corner? Some people I have met have become so paralysed by their overthinking that they avoid certain situations like going to London because a terror attack might happen or because they might get lost or the children won't be able to eat the food or, or, or. So it's about finding ways to stop overthinking. Trying to notice these patterns of overthinking, what maybe triggers some of these, um, these thought processes. Challenging those thoughts are they based in reality or are they based in irrationality? Trying to keep focus on active problem solving. Scheduling times for reflection. Practicing mindfulness techniques or breathing techniques to reduce the bodily symptoms. If your body is relaxed then you can't be in a state of fight or flight. Listening to the overthinker can be difficult. It may seem irrational or just plain pointless. It's hard to see that for the overthinker this is not a choice. It is a pattern of behaviour that is developed over time. Therefore it takes time to break these habits and for some people it may require ongoing therapy to continue to address this pattern of overthinking. We didn't become overthinkers in one day. So remember, easy does it. And here we are at the outro. I'd like to thank everyone who's listened. Um, it's nice to see that there's people downloading it and listening to the to the podcast. Uh, uh, gives me a reason to kind of keep going. Uh, if you if you like what I'm saying or you have any ideas or any topics, 
You can in- email me at info at firstcounselling.co.uk or alternatively, you can tweet me at t underscore counselling at t underscore counselling. Um, I'll be back uh, in another episode talking about some other aspects of mental health and well-being. Uh, please feel free to review this on your podcast app and uh, give it a couple of stars. Uh, and if you want to share it with other people and that, if you think other people might be interested, please feel free to do that. Um, thanks very much for listening. Sincerely yours, a first counsellor. <laughs>